She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Season 4. Terminus. Part 1. Episodes 1 through 12. What's up, OMG? IWTRW is doing some TXF. LOL. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot of acronyms. We're back. We are back. And we're actually talking about the X-Files. It's kind of, it's been a while. (laughs) It has been a while. And because it's been a while, we're doing a terminus in the middle. We conveniently stopped halfway through the season. And so we'll do a little recap and refresh, both to remind you and to remind us what the hell was happening. Yeah, probably a good idea because I have a bad memory as anyone who probably listens to this podcast can guess. And so I was like, oh, wait, I was listening to all these episodes going, I have forgotten all of this. I remember none of it. So it's good to yeah. remind ourselves where we were at. That's right. So, where were we? Uh, So, we had just finished episode 12, Leonard Betts. Oh, okay. Which is the one where Scully finds out she has cancer in a very awkward way. Hmm. 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 So, as we normally do with Terminus, we usually do some numbers that I know everyone loves in the beginning. And so, we're going to do a little bit of that, but very little, because it's only half a season. So... Currently, 12 episodes in, um, this is my lowest rated season. (laughs) And it's Tori's, it's tied for season two for Tori, which would be her second lowest, I guess. Or, you know, like season three is the highest. And then season two and season four are currently tied. And then season one was actually Tori's lowest rated. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I wonder if I was Um, just being extra stingy with ratings in season one, probably probably you have a habit of doing that i do stingy by nature yep okay also so far season four so as of episode 12 has had four of our five shortest episodes ranging from one hour one minute and 31 seconds to one hour six minutes and 46 seconds which is weird the springfield files is only 56 minutes and 36 seconds, but that doesn't really count because it's not really an X-Files episode, and it's only half an hour show. And then neither do the uh, two Terminuses, Season 1 and Season 3, Part 1, which also fall into that range. But it is strange that, yeah, four of the five shortest episodes have happened between 1 and 12 of Season 4. So, Yeah, I feel like there have been some episodes this season where I just didn't have a lot to say about them, and so I feel like as we go through them now, I feel like it's sort of the same. It's like, just, okay, that happened. Like, I don't have a lot to say about it other than what we already said when we talked about it, which wasn't that much. Yeah, we'll see how that holds up when we do the season ender, Terminus Part 2, and then Mm -hmm. we'll go maybe into some more details about what the episodes were and that kind of thing. So, yeah. So season four started with episode one, which was Heronvolk. Yep. And Heronvolk was part two of the season three finale. Mm-hmm. That's usually how things work on the show. There's a season finale that ends on a cliffhanger. And then the first episode of the next season is continuing that story. Yep. So in Heronvolk, we get last season on the X-Files. And we get the recap of Jeremiah Smith healing people in the restaurant. 
and X showing Mulder photos of the cigarette smoking man at the Mulder summer house with Mulder's mom, Mulder finding the alien stiletto, Mulder's mom in the hospital, the cigarette smoking man telling Smith that the date is set and the outcome inevitable. Ooh. And Mulder tells Skinner and Scully that the smoking man knows about the healer from the restaurant and is trying to kill him. And then we end season three with the alien assassin approaching Mulder, Scully, and Smith at this like mill that they're standing around at. Whoa. He's maybe going to assassinate somebody. That sounds like a cliffhanger. Yep. Yeah. And then as far as Heronvolt goes, I honestly don't know why 75% of that episode exists. I wasn't yeah. <laughs> I guess just to wrap up what happened in season three's finale. Yeah. Yeah, it's not yep. a lot happening. Smith disappears, so we don't get any. I think he reappears at some point. Um, well, I know he reappears at some point. We just haven't seen him yet. So, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and the alien assassin heals Mulder's mom, so I guess that happens. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, Cigarette Smoking Man is there and like, hey, do this for me. And he's like, all right, and he does it. So, yeah. Eh. Wasn't Maybe. impressed with season four, episode one. <laughs> Ugh, kind of kept going that way, too, unfortunately. <laughs> and then we had episode two, Home. Yes. So, in this episode, after an infant corpse is found buried in a field, Mulder and Scully are called in by the local sheriff to determine what's going on. The infant's body is deformed but human, and the trail seems to lead to the farmhouse of a local reclusive family. Whoa. This was a very controversial episode. Yes. Yeah, it was when it aired originally. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you and I had some disagreements about it as well. So We did. Yeah, I think you liked it I definitely liked it more than you did. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the scene where Sheriff Taylor is unable to get downstairs to get his gun was obviously meant to have drama. But given what we see when Mulder and Scully confront the Peacocks later, because they are they don't feel pain, so it's kind of hard to fight them sometimes. I don't think the outcome would have been much different if he had grabbed his gun unless he'd gone for a headshot, which seemed to really be the only way to stop them, which was highly exaggerated because later, like, one of them gets, like, multiple shots in the chest. Which I'm sorry, if you can't feel pain, those are still multiple shots in your chest. Like, they will stop you. Yeah, it's still going to do some damage, for sure. Yeah, so just the fact you can't feel pain does not make you, like, impervious to damage. So they kind of were conflating some things there, which is a little weird. But anyway, when it comes to survival, always go for the head. That's what I'm telling you. So do it. Treat everybody as a zombie. Everybody (laughs) is a zombie. So... Yeah. And then apparently when they were trying to make the pigs leave the pen and Scully says like some phrase that you can't really like, I don't think I understood what she said, but according to the internet, the dialogue is from babe, the cartoon with the pig and Mulder just, and Mulder just looks at her like, what the hell is wrong with you? Implying he's not seen babe. And so he has no idea what she's saying. And I've also never seen babe, which is probably why I did not get the joke and cannot understand what she was saying. So I can't verify this is true because one, I haven't seen babe and two, I couldn't understand what Scully was saying, but apparently, according to the internet, that's what is going on in that scene. So, yeah, hmm. don't know. Yeah, you got anything about home? Yeah. Or... So when when we released our episode about home, I was curious about how other people felt about it now, 
because obviously we talked about how people felt about it when it first aired and Mm -hmm. i think people probably liked it more than the stuff you would read about it from the 90s would let on because obviously the stuff that you would read about it was all like oh controversial x-files episodes yeah they want you to read what they're writing so and i'm not going back and like on the internet way back machine to find forums on the X-Files to see what people thought about it at the time. Although maybe I should. I don't know if that's a thing you can find. Maybe I should look. I don't know. But, this is like what? 90, is this 96, 97? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think the mm-hmm. Wayback Machine goes back that far. Cause I, I've had, I had websites at that time that I, that do not exist on the Wayback Machine, which is probably good. Cause I was a stupid teenager. I mean, you know, but, not to judge, but maybe they were just like, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't think the Wayback Machine like <laughs> evaluates content, right? It just kind of maybe they stuff. have they, they don't want you to know that it's judgy, but it's judgy, and so it's just like mm, yeah. look. Oh. Either way, I'm glad my teenage websites are not on there, but I it might be hard to find X file stuff from that time. But I did do a couple polls, both on Instagram and Twitter, and luckily I wrote down the numbers because I would never be able to find them now. It's been so long. So on Instagram, 93% of people said that they liked the episode. Only 7% said they did not like the episode. Oh, okay. On Twitter, I did the same poll and the options were, yes, I liked it. No, I didn't. Or it's okay. We had 73.3% of people say that, yes, they liked the episode. 13.3 said no. And 13.3 said it's okay. So most people who at least responded to our polls like the episode. I don't remember if I voted on that or not. I tend to I not either. touch any of our social media stuff anymore. Yeah, it was a long time but, ago, so I don't even remember if I I feel voted. bad sometimes. I feel like I should probably at least like this. Tori posted it, but I'm like, nah, I don't do that. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's okay. I'll brave <laughs> the, the internets for us. <laughs> okay. And then we had episode three, Taliko. So the plot of Toliko, in case you have forgotten, is after a black man is found dead with his skin turned white by what the CDC believes is an unknown pathogen, Scully is asked to look into it. Mulder joins Scully and begins to think there's no disease at all, but rather a monster from African folklore who is sucking the melanin out of its victims. Or maybe he's just like Z and saw shit that'll turn you white. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you're calling him Z now. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm totally calling him Z now. That's all I'm going to do is just call him Z. Yep, that's how we go. <laughs> I think in the cartoon, they just called him Winston. So I think that's where my brain yeah. will always go. Nope, Z. I'm just going to call him Z all the time now. So, I mean, we talked a lot about this episode during the episode. We did. I did do some diving on the name Taliko in African myth. And so from the Bambara in Mali, there are several different versions of the Bambara creation account, which offers conflicting descriptions of relationship between the principal figures. According to the legend, in the beginning, there was nothing but emptiness of the void. And then the universe began from a single point of sound, the sound, yo. Everything, including human consciousness, came from this root sound. Yo, the primeval creative spirit, created the structure of the heavens, the earth, and the living and non-living beings. So there were non-living beings. Well, maybe that means like trees and stuff, although trees are alive. Anyway, I don't know what they mean by non-living beings. I don't mean like <laughs> whatever, but anyway. I don't know either, so I can't yeah. help. Yeah. Yo brought into being the creator figures Faro, Pemba, and Taliko. 
Sparrow, who was male in this account, was a water spirit. He created the seven heavens corresponding to the seven parts of the earth and fertilized them with the rain. Taliko was the spirit of the air. He created a set of twins who were the ancestors of the first humans. And then Pemba created the earth. He mixed them together with his saliva and dust and created a woman who became his wife. And then together they created the animals and the plants. And then the two other versions listed dropped Taliko completely. Taliko's not even the story. Anyway, there's a link in the show notes about that. And then on West African vampires, I found three different types of vampires that exist in nice. West Africa. So there's the Ombeafo, which is a vampire slash witch-like mythological creature from West Africa coming from the folklore of the Ashanti. In Ashanti folklore, the Ombeafo is very common and may inhabit the bodies of any man or woman. They are described as having shifty eyes and being obsessed with food. When traveling at night, they are said to emit a phosphorescent light from their armpits and their anus. Hmm. Interesting. The Obeafo is known as a similar entity to the Asiman of the Dahomoni people, a creature that can shapeshift and fly, turning itself into a ball of light and hunting for prey in the night sky. The Asan Bosom, or more commonly the Sasa Bonesom, is a vampire-like folkloric creature from the Akan people. It belongs to the folklore of the Akan of southern Ghana, as well as Cote d'Ivoire, Togo, and 18th century Jamaica from enslaved Akan people. It is said to have iron teeth, pink skin, long red hair, and iron hooks for feet. Hmm. And it lives in trees, attacking from above. I think I've heard about that. Yeah, that's scary. In West Africa, in the forest, there were rules of renewal. The awesome bosom would administer these rules. They take up territory in the trees and the forest where they live and feed on people that wander into their home. It's kind of almost like a territorial thing for them. While being humanoid, these creatures are said to have bat-like features. Nice. And then our third one is the Odzi, which is a vampiric being in U folklore told by the people of Togo and Ghana. In the wild, the Odzi takes the form of a firefly Though it will transform into human shape upon capture, when in human form, the Odyssey has the power to possess humans. People, male or female, possessed by the Odyssey are viewed as witches. The Odyssey's influence would negatively affect the possessed victim's family or those whom the victim is jealous of. In firefly form, the Odyssey would travel through keyholes, cracks in walls, or under closed doors at night. Once in the home, it would suck the blood from people as they slept, making them fall sick and die. These are actually the first ones that actually drink blood, even though they're yeah. kind of all vampires. So that's cool. Tales of the creature and its effects were possibly an attempt to describe the potentially deadly effects of mosquitoes and malaria. However, unlike mosquitoes and malaria, there is no defense against an Odzi. And also, I'm not sure that there's any like diseases that are transmitted by fireflies, but you know. Yeah. So, yep. Cool. Those are three myths. None of them really match what we get in the X Files. I think they just made something up. So I am curious about where they got the name from, though, because the only place it occurs is in that one version of the creation myth. And then it's obviously not what they use it as in the X-Files. So I'm curious how they came across that name. Mm, They were just flipping through legends and were like, that sounds cool. Let's do that one. I guess so. Probably that sounds like a cool name. Or maybe because it's so it's so not used of a name. They figured maybe they could use it without being a big thing because it's not a big you know, they didn't use like 
Pemba or something like that. So it wasn't like one of the larger names that exist. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as far as the episode goes, there was one thing that I thought would have been cool was when Mulder goes to see the minister and the minister tells Mulder his story about like when he met, you know, a Toliko and then he was saved by his uncle and all that kind of stuff. Like Mulder leaves and then the minister sits down and he looks and there's a splotchy spot on his wrist. Ooh. Oh, that'd be That's cool. why they were doing all the protective stuff and trying to keep it secret. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been cool. would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I don't. So- we. I think we both talked about. It. We didn't think it was bad as people said it was, but I mean, it wasn't good. But yeah, the only thing I have is when we were talking about it in the episode, we mentioned how the cop who makes fun of Aboa's name is a little bit racist, and like I think we were discussing it, but I don't think we ever like came out and straight up said like I think the point of that was to show the racism people coming to the country face, even from people who might also be people of color and so like, yeah I because think the one was... who says it i mentioned that of course yeah. they had the black cop say it because uh-huh. then it's not racist but i think but, it was yeah. supposed to be racist and i think that yeah. was the point is but that then they're, they're just... not accused of being racist as writers though is what i think what i was trying to oh yeah i don't think that's it i think it was just part of the larger point that howard gordon was trying to make about the racism that people face and how it comes from all directions when they are immigrants to this country and that's at least that's a generous interpretation well also too once people assimilate they tend to then other you know they 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 become part of the of the in group and so if you're part of the in group there's got to be an out group so yeah you know that happens a lot i mean we have a lot of politicians who are basically like second generation people who are horribly anti-immigrant which is ironic so episode four unre how do you say i forgot how to say it already it's been so long unrue unrue yeah, well, it's been a long time. My German is slacking. Yeah, I, so. still, um, I still don't speak any German. But the episode is about a woman who gets her passport photo taken and then is attacked and kidnapped before returning for the photo. When the photo is developed, it shows her screaming. Mulder believes the kidnapper's subconscious somehow imprinted on the film, and it may be the key to stopping him. Yeah, and we find out that Scully is unrue. Which yeah, I've bit. thought for a long time, honestly. But, you know. <laughs> I don't so. think that's necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, who isn't in this day and age, really? Also, we learn about howlers, which is I like that. That needs to exist. So, mm-hmm. yeah. This was the fourth episode of The X-Files, and it was the third episode with a non-English title. Which is interesting. Production number wise, this is the second episode, and it's the second with a German title, because production number wise, this was actually episode two, even though it was shown as episode four. So I think it was meant to be episode four too, but production number wise, it was number two. So, and then when we were doing this, we were talking about like ice pick lobotomies and stuff, and I mistakenly said that the creator of the ice pick lobotomy was not a doctor, and I was wrong he was actually a medically trained doctor and he was also a monster i was conflating him with so many other people in medicine who ruin lives without a medical license um 
I had heard this story on Behind the Bastards, which has a lot of stories like that. And so I just conflated it together. So I jumped on what I thought was a natural transition in our dialogue about him not being a doctor. Because they mentioned, like, maybe he's not, a you know, maybe it's a doctor or something. And so I jumped on it and I was wrong. So hmm. I linked to that episode. And so if you listen to it, you immediately knew that I was wrong because you find out the dude was a doctor. But yeah, I like to own up to my mistakes. Yeah, it's not a bad thing to do. Yeah. Episode five was The Field Where I Died, in which the FBI raids a cult's compound, but is unable to find the cache of guns that would secure the cult leader's arrest. One of the cult members is a woman who claims to remember Mulder from a previous life. As Scully and Skinner try to find evidence to arrest the cult leader, Mulder tries to determine if the cult's compound sits atop a field where, in a previous life, he died in the Civil War. Whoa. And we find out that everyone in this episode is apparently fighting for the South, which is super cool. So it's <laughs> yeah, great. Uh yeah. Right side, right side of history there. Yeah. Yeah. Good jobs. Good job. So this episode was also kind of controversial when it came out. Yeah, I mean, I guess because people it breaks just... the ship. Well, I mean, the ship isn't really a ship yet, though. Like, so I mean, I get it. Like 100 I think it is. I mean, I it, it it's a ship to everyone who wants to ship it. But like, I think in canon, I don't know that they have gotten together yet. I don't know. To be fair. No, they haven't. Yeah. But no, I no mean, of. in the at this point, the writers were still adamant that they were going to be like a platonic duo who were never going to get together. So the writers were actively fighting against this idea, which is a silly thing for writers to do because it never works. <laughs> never works. But, you know, I don't know. Now I'm just I have my eyes closed and I'm just envisioning the costumes for the platonic duo. Oh, and like, you know, cause Batman and Robin are the dynamic duo. And so yeah. I'm thinking the platonic duo. But yeah, I should probably move on from that. So this episode was interesting because we had a big discussion about Chekhov's gun. And there was some misunderstanding about the origin of that phrase, which was kind of ironic because then I had made that big mistake the previous episode about the ice pick doctor, too. So, but regarding the shippers in this episode, I would think, and we talked about this a little bit, I think they should actually embrace this episode because this episode shows that Mulder and Scully are tied together across time. Like Melissa dies in this life. And so Mulder and Scully are destined to be together in this life, right? Because she's out of the way. So like, you know, because Mulder <laughs> and Scully are always tied together. So who's left, right? Ta-da! Scully wins. I think it's just that they're tied together, but it's always in a weird, like, familial, like, mother-son kind of, like, way, at least well, as the episode implies it, right? That's the thing. Everything we get is Melissa's point of view it's that true. she and Mulder are soulmates, but admits they don't always connect as actual, like, mates, as, as in this life, right? In this life, they're not together, Right. And yet Scully actually seems more intertwined with Mulder in past life than Melissa is in this life. So who's to say if you take all this as true that Melissa is mistaken and maybe only remembers the time that she and Mulder were connected and Mm. maybe Scully and Mulder actually connect more often. So, you know, because Scully is always there. But is Melissa always there? I don't know. Yeah. She's barely in this life. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. And then on that, if we were to believe any of this, we have to wonder what's Mulder's connection with Lily or with Sydney, right? Because those are other lives that Melissa had. 
And also, like the cigarette smoking man, Sydney's time frame would seem to contradict Mulder's recollections for similar reasons, because there's not enough time to like be reincarnated and achieve the age needed in consecutive lives. So there's some issues with that. Mm-hmm. And then at minimum, we should likely discard Mulder's past life regression that he has, because that only gives us one data point for the whole Melissa Mulder soulmate thing. Although he is the one who actually produces the names, which were then corroborated by Scully's research. Although how easy that was, that could have been fake, but then that would require Mulder to have the intent for fraud. So whatever you think about it, it's kind of a mess. So we should probably just... The lesson is don't use a scripted (laughs) network television program as an outlet for your personal displays of affection. Because as we mentioned, the person playing Melissa would then become Glenn Morgan's wife because he had the hots for her because he worked on a previous thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, I feel like I pretty much summed it up in the episode we talked about where they just tried to do too much and make it too complicated. And they really should have made it like one past life and just gone with that. And then it would have been more impactful and made more sense. And the whole episode wouldn't have been such a scattered mess. Well, and they tried to hit like all the big historical beats of like, oh, you existed in this time and you existed in this time. But then when you do the math, like I said, like the dates don't add up yeah. because you wouldn't have lived long enough to have achieved the life that you supposedly had. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And also, I think during one of them, the cigarette smoking man would have, would have been alive as the cigarette smoking man. So yeah. like it couldn't have been like, you know, mm-hmm. so just stuff like yeah. that where it just doesn't work. And then you just if you think about it for more than three minutes, you're like, wait, none of mm-hmm. that works. So, yeah. yeah, it's almost as if it was all fake. So, yeah, we had episode six sanguinarium. Ooh, that sounds bloody like maybe there's vampires in it. I know I was really hoping for some vampires. We did not get vampires. It's okay. Well, I mean, we do get vampires, but they were kind of disappointing. I'm currently oversaturated with vampires on television right now. So I guess be careful what you wish for is the lesson there. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, fuck my life. Anyway, Sailing so. <laughs> to the night, lost in the shadows. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in this episode, after a death in a cosmetic surgery suite, the surgeon claims he must have been possessed. Scully thinks it was lack of sleep and prescription pills that caused the incident. But when Mulder finds evidence of a pentagram in the surgical room, he thinks there might be witchcraft involved. (gasps) Witches! A possible candidate for the episode with the most wasted potential. Agree. And then also, as far as wasted potential goes and vampires, we talked about how that might be the house from three that the doctor's living in. And if it is, and they're just fucking with us about vampires because titling this one Sanguinarium and then having it be the vampire house. And then, yeah, because the scene in the house with the bathtub is really the only bit that fits the title. And it seems kind of weird to base the whole episode on that, which made no sense that the bathtub was full of blood for any reason. Yeah, no, it really what's going on in the show. So, yeah, I think they're fucking with us. I think they were like, they have like a psychic on the team and they were like, you know what? In like 28, 29 years, going to be these two people. <laughs> kind of like the X-Files. Really like vampires. Let's fuck with them. That's what they did. That's it. It was so. all done just to mess with us in the future. Yep. I mean, you know, the universe revolves around us. So it makes sense. <laughs> it makes total sense. Episode 7, Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man. 
in which Frohickey is worried someone is going to try to kill him after he's uncovered what he believes is information on the cigarette-smoking man's identity. He tells Mulder and Scully what he's learned, and the cigarette-smoking man surveils the conversation and remembers his past. Although how much is his memory and how much is Frohickey's telling and how much is true is completely debatable. So, And I'm fine with all of that, because... I got distracted per usual and neglected to say that I think of this as an origin for the cigarette smoking man Mm -hmm. in the same way that I think of Batman, the killing joke as an origin for the Joker. Like I can take it. I can take parts of it. Uh I can take none of it. It can be totally factual, which is unlikely if the other episodes are considered accurate, or it can be completely fabricated and any sliding scale in between. And either way, it's a good story and I like it. Mm-hmm. So. You're not alone because this is the highest rated episode of the season on IMDb. Wow. I'm not surprised. It has a nine and everything else is like eight point something or below. I think home is actually second. And then I think oh. the third is small potatoes, which we have not watched yet. Yeah. I don't know. I remember looking at the IMDb ratings one time and like nothing was rated below like seven and a half. And I was like, Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, the people who rate shows tend to be fans, <laughs> so it's it's definitely yeah. skewed. Yeah. Regarding the cigarette smoking man's possible birthday, aside from it being the day after your childhood dog's birthday, which we discussed, <laughs> August twentieth was also the date that we released our teaser for the podcast on August twentieth, two thousand twenty, which would have been the cigarette smoking man's eightieth birthday. Nice. So we keep getting these hits that are kind of spooky honestly (laughs) and was a little more than two and a half years after william b davis's 80th birthday because he was born on january 13th 1938 nice nice he's actually playing a younger character if we're believing the state so yeah yeah we keep hitting these little weird things where dates connect to us and again i think it's because the universe revolves around us and so we got our first two-parter of the season. I mean, episode one was like a part two. It doesn't count. Right, yeah. but yeah. So we get our first two-parter, episodes eight and nine, Tunguska and Terma. Yep. In which a tip from Crycheck leads Mulder and Crycheck? Scully. Crycheck? Yeah, Crycheck, our favorite character. He leads Mulder and Scully to a chunk of rock brought into the U.S. that may contain traces of alien life. But when a scientist at Goddard cuts it open... He's infected with the mysterious black oil. Mulder follows Krychek's intel about the source of the rock all the way to Russia. Meanwhile, Scully is asked to testify before Congress on Mulder's whereabouts, because that seems like a good use of congressional resources. Mm-hmm. Yep. My only Tunguska note is that I talked about the layers of protection and contamination because, like, you know, they find this rock that's supposedly from space and all that kind of stuff. But I actually suppose in this case that might not be an issue because the rock has already been, like, contaminated by the time Saks receives it. Uh-huh. Uh, but then that has a whole other level of things and behaviors that should or shouldn't occur. And it gets, you kind of just, like, hey, yeah, I'm just going to let it go. So all the rest of my stuff is all about Terma. So I don't know if you have anything about Tunguska before we jump nope. to Terma. I mean, I just have stuff about the two-parter together. I don't have anything oh, okay. separate yet. I don't separate these in my head. It's all one thing. Okay. Yeah. I got distracted by the whole no reaction to the black oil leeches on faces thing that happens in the rest home. But obviously that scene does answer the pill switch question, right? Because we were talking about what he was doing with the pills. 
and the pills were awfully to kill all the patients, and then that's why the black yes. oil leeches yeah. came out. Did we them, not say so. that? I, I well, I think we talked about it, but I think I wasn't sure if that's what was going on or if oh. those pills actually contain the black oil leeches. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, and I was pretty convinced that that yeah, was just so killing were them right. and they were already already infected. Just because like the they woman do seem to come out the, when people die. Yeah, so, just like the yeah, woman in so the van with the euthanasia stuff. Like, she yeah. really was already infected because no. they were infecting them to try and find some kind of vaccine, I guess, against it or whatever. That's what Sharn Sayre was doing. Right. Which it seems like they already have one, so it's just why yeah, I, it, but... uh, yeah. So my whole thing with this two-part, I'll just jump in now, is that I read a lot of reviews and reactions to these two episodes because I'm still trying to figure out the left arm thing. Like, I get, mm-hmm. I get that that's where your smallpox, like, scar mark thing, and maybe, like, if there's a tracker in there, that's where it would be. Mm-hmm. But, like, if they need a tracker, they can just put that in your other arm or your leg or your hip or something. Like, yeah. I don't understand... Why or cutting your off neck, your arm or in your nose or behind your ear? So or, yeah, I was hoping someone on the internet had explained this or done like a deep dive or something on why this is the case, and I could find nothing. All I could find is that most people do not like these episodes. They find them okay. needlessly confusing. They think it muddles the mythology, and mm. because it also just it it creates. It's like watching Lost. Like, it just creates more questions than it answers. Like, why are there different forms of black oil? Like, how does the black oil react one way in certain situations in a different way? Has it been altered? Like, what is the government's ultimate goal? What part of the government is working on a secret vaccine? Is it the same part that's working on the actual colonization project? Seems like yes, but there's just a lot of stuff that's really unclear. And so a lot of people were just really confused and left with more questions than answers. Welcome to my world, people. Welcome yeah, and I feel like that's world. how we felt about these two. Like, we were just like, wait, what? <laughs> so, I don't yeah. know. I do think the no arm, no test is more about the test than about the smallpox scar and possible tracers. Sure. Because unlikely that little boy in Russia had gotten a smallpox vaccination. And so why right. were they lopping off his arm? So it's more about like, if you don't have an arm, they can't inject you. And I'm like, they just inject you somewhere else. It's not like it only goes in the left arm. Yeah, that's you- why it makes no sense. It makes no sense. I'm so confused. And I, I was really hoping someone at some point had explained this because the writers yeah. must have had some logic when they were coming up with this. I think and- they were just like, you know, it'd be cool. Let's chop off Crycheck's arm. <laughs> Probably. So, Poor Crycheck. Yeah. Because <laughs> even if it was about the scar... Then just get like a surgical ice cream scoop or something and just like scoop out that area, right? And then you're done. You don't need to lose an arm. You just got like a weird like deformation in your shoulder or something from tissue being yeah. taken away. It's so, so weird. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Back to the black oil leeches and like the digital effects not being on there. I did misspeak a little bit regarding the release of the episodes without the completed digital effects. Um, we were talking maybe it was a time zone thing. But apparently it was networks in Canada and in the Midwest who had the had the episode earlier. It mm-hmm. wasn't like a time zone thing, which makes me wonder, like, if they needed hard copies or something, like it couldn't be transmitted some way. Because the Midwest is mostly central time, has a little bit of eastern time on it, and then a little bit of mountain time, too. So it obviously wasn't like a time zone thing. It had to be like, for some reason, these people needed the episodes earlier than everyone else to put them on the air so i'm not sure what's going on maybe they need to actually have like hard copy shipped to them like old school like theaters where you had to like send the you know 
actual film instead of just digital stuff. So I don't know. And then I talked about how I was impressed with the tea bookend where the dipping of the tea. But then that's where I started thinking about it. It actually really isn't a bookend because if it was a bookend, it actually bookends the middle and the end of the story because it actually starts at the beginning of part two and then at the end of part two. So it didn't really work that well. I think you so. can give it to him because it is its own yeah. episode. And then Crycheck's arm. So if it was amputated like above the elbow, which is what we think, we're thinking they obviously took the shoulder off, right? So he's got a pretty fancy prosthetic arm that allows him like the dexterity to hold a tea bag and stuff. So mm-hmm. pretty good technology for 1997. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they decided they needed to cut Crycheck's arm off. It wasn't like like you know, it wasn't like he was in like an accident and lost his arm and they needed an excuse to, you know. Like, why he doesn't have an arm or something. It was just like, oh, let's just chop Crychek's arm off. What the fuck? So, yeah. And then they went to Alberta for the refinery at the end. And you're like, why? Why did they have to go to Alberta? Like, Alberta's not even near North Dakota, which is where they were in. And then it's, yeah, weird. Because that's where and the also, stuff was going. I don't know why. Yeah. And then also, we actually never checked. Well, I normally do term in North Dakota is fictitious. It doesn't exist. So, cool. we talk about the towns. So, yeah, but I don't know why they had to go to Alberta because, like, the closest point of North Dakota is over seven hours from Alberta because Alberta is actually north of Montana, not North Dakota. So, yeah. Wow, we're almost done. Episode 10, Paper Hearts. Yeah, so in this one, after a dream leads Mulder to another victim of a convicted serial killer, Mulder becomes obsessed with tracking down and identifying all the remaining victims. But when he and Scully confront the killer, the killer implies that one of the missing victims may have been Mulder's missing sister. (gasps) Samantha? Yeah. She was possibly killed by a serial killer instead of being abducted by aliens? I know. Wild. A tall, ball-headed serial killer? Maybe. Mm, maybe. I did neglect to mention how much I really, really, really liked the little whimsical music that was used in Mulder's dream sequences. Mm-hmm. So we talked later about how the dream sequences were, like, really well done. And so I, I really liked yes. them. So. And then we also talk about the basketball swish because Mulder switches a ball. And I was going to go back and check the framing. And the ball does leave the screen. But after watching it, I'm going to be generous and say that even if it took like a hundred times for him to make that shot, it probably would have been less hassle than for them to like time it so that like and get the angle right for like it to go up and then to like have a ball go directly into this thing. So I think the biggest hurdle would have been everyone just staying in character if it had needed to keep shooting, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. But I think he probably, I think he probably made the shot and, you know, maybe Dave Duchovny's good at basketball. So, I, I mean, that may surprised. be something because Mulder does play with a basketball a lot in different episodes. Mm-hmm. And that may be something that David Duchovny brought to the character. So maybe he is into it. And so. Yeah, totally know. possible. Yeah. And then we talked about a callback, and I kind of left people hanging on it because I actually didn't come back to it because I got distracted. Um, and I'm actually not sure which of the two following things I was going to refer to, but it was most likely that Mulder pulled the fake out on Roach by using the similar tactic on Boggs and Beyond the Sea, mm-hmm. with the the cloth. 
Yeah, I thought about that when I was re-listening to our episode, actually, how it was similar to Beyonce. (laughs) Yeah. And then it could have also possibly been Aubrey, because there's a callback there with Scully referencing something Mulder said. And then that episode had opened with, like, you know, BJ, like, frantically digging in the earth and uncovering a skeleton. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Mulder's doing that. So I'm not sure. It probably was the beyond the sea reference uh-huh. but i mentioned that we were going to talk about something later and then we never did yeah so. that happens um i gotta stop saying that <laughs> on podcasts because i say that all the time and then like when i'm listening back or like when i'm editing my other podcast i'm like wait we never came back to that because <laughs> like, yeah either that or so we need to actually been put it in the notes and not just yeah. use it as a little like <laughs> i want to talk about this later and then not actually write it later i know yeah forget. oh man it's so, so easy to, to get off track because we you just start having discussions and then you sign off and then later you're like oh Oh, crap i never got back to that thing <laughs> yeah. and then i guess we have episode 10 and a half it's not numbered because it's not really an x-files episode but it's the springfield no, files it's a simpsons episode yeah yeah so this is an episode of the simpsons in which we go in search of the truth when homer has an encounter in the woods near springfield with what might be an alien entity and then the fbi comes to investigate yeah and the word is musical. I called hair both a play and a show, both because I couldn't think of the word musical for some reason. And oh, that's funny. Like stumbling, and it's it's a musical. That's what it's called. Yes. Was like, I, like what's funny is I didn't jump scrambling for words. Well, because musicals are also referred to as like shows or plays. Like people are like, "Oh, I'm going to go yeah. see a show on Broadway." Like no one, you know. Yeah, it was I just, refer I, was, I was just fumbling for words, and I couldn't. Yeah, it so. happens. Uh, my mom actually listened to that episode, so that's one that oh. we got her to listen to. I think that might be cool. the only one she's ever listened to. Is it because to. it was about the Simpsons or Probably. because it was shorter? I don't or... know. I don't know. It's just funny because okay. like, she never listens to the podcast. She's like, oh, yeah, someday I'll listen. She just listened to Serial, though, which came out in like 2014, so she's not super up on podcasts. Oh, and okay. I was like, oh, yeah, Nan was just released from prison. She's like, he was? <laughs> A lot has happened since that show came out. Okay, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay, yeah. <laughs> oh my um, god, all right. I don't even know how to relate to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what cereal is, my goodness. <laughs> I know what cereal is, I just don't listen to it, and so I don't know okay. anything about the stories. Well, so. it was, I won't, yeah, I only really listened to the first season, but it was really good when it, it was very revolutionary when it came out. If you say In so. 2014, okay. a very long time ago. Yeah, okay, I don't know. I was listening to podcasts in like 2003. And yeah. so when people were like, oh, podcasts, it's like, I don't, yeah, whatever. Okay. That's well, funny. but I think it's, it's just kind of when they got mainstream. Cause I did a podcast in like 2008, 2009 with friends. Um, they, they did the podcast. I was just a regular guest on it, but like they've been around for a very long time. It's just, yeah. they didn't really get like mainstream popular until like the 2010s at some point. Yeah. I don't know we kind of like this episode because not only is an X Files episode, but it has that nice in search of tie-in because yeah, Nimoy and everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was it's got all yeah. the things. It's very good. It was a nice it was a nice merging of things again that was not planned, and then we found out about this episode. I kind of found out about it like right when it would slot in to when it actually was released, and so it was again it was just one of those things that just worked out. So cool. Yeah. Yep. Episode 11, El Mundo Hira. Yeah, apparently we were saying that wrong. So sorry yeah. about that. Neither of us speak Spanish. 
No. As we have said many times, I speak French and a little bit of Japanese, and that's about my expertise. Yeah, Tori doesn't speak English at all. No, I'm really bad at English. She learns just everything. Tell. She just she learns all our scripts phonetically, like <laughs> Lugosi, and just yeah. So. <laughs> that would be an impressive feat if that were true. Actually, <laughs> we have a lot, a lot of stuff. Anyway, in this episode, after a murder and a mysterious rain in a migrant camp. Locals tell stories of a chupacabra. <gasps> Mulder wants to find the monster, but Scully finds evidence of <laughs> Scully finding the thing he doesn't want to find. <laughs> That's her job on the show is to find something else. Um, and in this one, it's a strange enzyme that causes rapid fungal growth. So they must find the man who was at the scene of the murder as he may be a killer or he may be spreading a deadly pathogen. Or he may be a chupacabra. Maybe. I mean, uh, yeah. it's debatable, but sure. Yeah. We did talk a lot about the whole telenovela thing with this episode. Uh-huh. Spanish soap operas. But we neglected to mention that this episode translates as the world turns. Uh-huh. Which if they did, then it should have been Mientras El Mundo Gira, which would have been as the world turns. Maybe, they, maybe there's copyright reasons why they couldn't do that even in Spanish. So I don't know. But yeah. So just to reemphasize in that whole telenovela thing. So, yeah. And then if we mentioned we were saying, because we were saying Gira, because yes. it sounds like King Gidera, which I was totally excited about because I love saying King Gidera. Gidera. But yeah. So yeah. you speak Japanese with a French accent. I speak Spanish with a Japanese accent, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. You don't learn two mm. languages at once. It'll fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> I still, to this day, when I'm studying French, try to throw a Japanese word in there sometimes. And I'm like, wait, no, that's not correct. Yeah. <laughs> but as we've discussed before, you actually do have a pretty good understanding of French because mm-hmm. you, we've talked about this, you aren't really translating words. You just say the word, you think about it. And yeah. so, whereas well, a lot of people, they'll actually have to do the mental, like, I've got to translate this into the other language. And for you, it actually just, that's what you say. But sometimes you say the wrong uh-huh. language yeah so. no well and it's hard too because like as i go through duolingo to like practice and stuff they want you to translate it as it should be translated but i think part of why i'm good at learning languages is that in my brain i kind of map onto the literal meaning and so like for me mm-hmm. like it's easier to think of it that way and if i'm thinking of it in a literal way like jabe was one means like i have need of but you would not say that in English. You would just say, like, I need or, you know, whatever. Right. And so, like, but for me, like, having it in that literal way in my head is how it makes more sense to me. And so I just I struggle with Duolingo all the time because I'm like, no, I'm correct. And they're like, you're wrong. I'm like, that is what it means, literally. And I know that's not what they're asking. And I understand the English equivalent. But, like, for me, just learning it that way makes more sense in my head. So I don't know. Mm. My brain is weird. I say it many times. I barely speak English, so yeah. yeah. My one thing with El Mundo Gira is just like the more I think about it, the less sense it makes. Because like we have an episode in this series called Ephemasculata, which is great, except when Scully does the stupidest thing she's ever done, probably, mm. um, in which she like cuts open. I still have not written that song. Pathogen, but anyway. Um, it's just like we saw this like massive reaction to this deadly pathogen thing. And then there's this guy who's like spreading this like super deadly fungus. Like he just touches a peanut in a store 
and it like kills a guy and spreads like halfway across the store. Like it's so contagious. And the it fact also seems that, sort of arbitrary. It does seem very arbitrary, but like yeah. I don't know, just the fact that there is not a bigger government response and it's just like, I don't know, they're invisible. It's symbolism. Like, I don't know. It just every time I think about it, I just get annoyed about it. So <laughs> yeah. it doesn't yeah. make sense, but okay. You're not supposed to think about it. That's I the know. thing. You're supposed I know. to watch it. That's why I have such a problem. I know. I think the problem is like you start thinking too hard about this stuff and it really is just like that's you're just supposed to suspend disbelief yeah. and move on. But yep. Yeah. The one thing they didn't apparently have in the writer's room was red yarn. If they did, it would have been able to link more stuff together and things would have made more sense. But they kind yeah, of they needed like finding... a conspiracy wall or something. We needed, you know, that's why we keep finding little holes everywhere because like, well, yeah, but that doesn't because they didn't they didn't they didn't do their due diligence. Well, so, and they just I think when you have a bunch of TV writers and they're all writing different episodes and, you know. I think we've talked about how the show maybe didn't even have a show Bible for a while. And so there's just a lot of stuff that's going to slip through. Oh, it obviously did not. If it did, no <laughs> one read it. So I mean, that's like, also years later, they're like, oh, shit, what's this dusty book over here in the corner? Oh, crap. <laughs> oh, man. And it says on Hide the front. It. Burn that. Don't let anyone see that. Burn it. Burn it's it. It's like, it. please read. And there's like a post-it note on it from Chris Carter that's like, everyone read and everyone's ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. He got hit in the head at some point and forgot about it. And then just yeah. from there. Yeah. They got covered in plastic when they shut down the office for the <laughs> summer. <laughs> they never uncovered that corner. <laughs> and then one day they come the in and they're like, Plastic was really heavy. And you could barely see. It was barely translucent. You couldn't really tell that the book <laughs> was there. It kind of just blended in with the table. And they were like, well, we don't need that table. We'll just leave it covered in plastic. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. mm. And then finally, we have episode 12, Leonard Betts. Mm -hmm. in which Mulder and Scully investigate a decapitated body that disappears from the morgue, and it appears to have returned to its home afterward, leaving behind its still animated head. Whoa. I really dislike this episode. I think that was apparent when we discussed it, and mm. that's all I have to say. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it worked. I had some issues with it, but overall, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, we're just opposite ends of the spectrum on that one. And then a bloody nose as I have cancer is stupid. Well, it is, but it's also it's also a symbol of being sick on TV all the time. And I don't know what it is, but it comes up all the time when someone is sick on TV, like their nose will start bleeding. And that's a sign of like, oh, no. Or the, the other trope is like you have consumption, right? And you cough. And there's blood. And they were happily out. ever after. <laughs> and then someone coughs and you're like, oh, no. So. Oh, yeah. no. Like Moulin Rouge. Yeah. 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 But that's episodes one through 12. Which means. We mentioned that we're back. So the next thing you hear is going to be episode 11, not 11, 13. <laughs> I'm going back in time. Episode 13, which is aptly titled Never Again. So, <laughs> yeah. With a fun celebrity guest. Oh, I haven't watched it yet or oh, yeah. even read your summary, which you wrote like four months ago. Oh, God. Longer. So it was long ago because it, well, like so, yeah, it was in the yeah. hotel room while I was moving is because I was 
I didn't have anything. So to that do, would so be yeah, that would be May. The end of May, yeah, because yeah, I was before I could get into my apartment. I was in a hotel. I was just recently looking at the files because you had said that you had already written those a long time ago, and I was like, oh, that one was written in May. Shit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I don't even know if I put Memento Mori on the drive because I also wrote that one, but I can't. It's either on my drive. I don't think I ever moved it over to our drive. So I need okay. to. Okay. Well, the file's on the drive, but I don't know if you copied your. Oh, yeah. I don't think so, I've copied yeah. the summary over. People don't need to know about this. No, they what don't. The doing? point is that we will be back with more X Files. And I know you guys have been patiently waiting um, or possibly just glad we're doing something else. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe you I like mean, the that's other how I better. feel about it. But, you know, hey, <laughs> what are you going to do? So. <laughs> So we're going to get back to X-Files and it's going to be fun. And Nick is going to have fun you Say so. if I have to beat him over the head and make him think that he's having fun. Although I live very far away. I so mean, a challenge. after the bomb I dropped on our final Ghostbusters episode, which we haven't recorded yet. So Tori is like, oh shit, what is Nick dropping? But after the bomb <laughs> I dropped on that episode, you guys may be thinking about me in a different light. So. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, now yeah. I'm scared. all right all right well thank you for listening let us know what you thought of the first half of season four of the x-files and what your favorite episode is or which episode completely confounds you i'd actually love to hear about that too if there is and i'm gonna jump in with the credits right now where tori is just gonna keep on talking (laughs) so every time this episode of i want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Yep, our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. And episode production design and editing is by Lazy Ant Productions with Tori yeah. Skipped. <laughs> yeah, also that. <laughs> Look, I don't have it in front of me. I'm doing this from memory. <laughs> this is where you can start finding all of our... Ex- well, you can still find all of our X-Files episodes, but they're going to be new ones. Yay! And Yay. you should tell people to listen. You should. Yeah. Tell your friends. Make them listen. Just put it on their phone when they're in the bathroom. And this is a nightmare of an end credit, so just (laughs) join us next time. Because you know what we're going to do? We're going to try and figure out if if the the truth truth is still still out there. there.
I'm a fan of the clusterfuck, so I'm good. Okay. I mean, you have, you've become a fan of the, as you say, the feral nature of the podcast it has turned into since we went on hiatus. Yeah. I mean, so. I feel like it's just, you know, it's looser. It's more fun. It's cool. It's our natural state. We were just fighting against our nature all that time. You know, better, stronger, faster. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>